Oh, hey there, friends. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to thank a few of you. Uh, there's Chelsea Deb Hilke and Cheryl Nash. I'd like to thank you, Chris Walsh and Christopher Bruce. Yeah, I'd like to thank David Forsey and Heather Baird, Jason Campbell, Michael Polot, Michelle B. and Michelle Scott, uh, Mike Hammond, uh, Noreen Elizabeth, thank you, Olga Krasik, and Robert Andrews. Yeah, you guys are just real swell. I, I really don't know how we'd do this without you guys. So uh, uh, thank you once again, and well, I, I hope you enjoy the, the, the episode. Uh, take care. Mocks the rain. A city nestled in the heart of the God's Peak. A mountain so tall they see it cracks right through to Celestia. But you wouldn't know that living here. Seems like the only remnant of the gods down here are their names inscribed into each Goliath metal ring that houses the sections of the city, stacked on top of each other and fueled by magma, steam, and desperation. Almost everywhere you look you see money. Seems to seep out of every crack in the mountain. A visitor would think everyone here eats dragon steak off golden plates. But they only see the Zilchus ring. The shops, the bars, the restaurants. Smiling merchants in fancy robes. They don't see the boiling lava below. The layer of ash above. Or the ever-building pressure all around. Like steam surging against old pipes. Just waiting for the pressure to creep up a little higher. Waiting for that bursting point. In Mox the Rain, you're either the steam or the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> the city's run by the United Families, formerly a network of crime families who kept the people fed and armed through a black market operating under the former king's nose. After the uprising, the families joined together and created a council to govern Mox the Rain. Now the clubbers are the city guard and the ticks, the network of law enforcing constructs throughout the city answer to them. Things are better with the families in charge, but rent is still due at the end of every month and not everyone's cut out to work in public records or sales. There's still plenty of less savory work to be found. That's where you come in. You're a group of finders. You've all got your own story and unique methods, but you've been contacted because you know how to find people. Your anonymous client needs someone found, and they think you're the ones to do it. You got a summons with a 5,000 gold up front and instructions to meet at the skewered noble, a rundown gin joint so deep in the ashes you need a shovel to get through the front door. So who do you think would get to the skewered noble first? I think potentially my little warlock would be quite eager to show up and to hide in the shadows. So where where would you start in the city, do you think, to make your way? So this, the skewered noble is in the ashes, which is the top level of Mox the Rain, the highest point. And that's uh, the, like the slums are around there? Yeah, so the, the Skyward Ring, or as most people call it, the Ashes, is the top ring of the city. So all of the heat from below has to go somewhere. And after all of that volcanic heat is sapped of moisture, which waters the jungle right below, it comes into the Ashes, which is how they get their name, because mm. it causes a constant snow of ash to rain down on this part of the city. Rent is cheap here because of this ash, and there are some 
pretty finicky enchantments that sort of work like an umbrella to keep the ash from building up too much around the major parts, but it is still not a very desirable place to live, but it does have a very vibrant art scene. <laughs> that sounds like my sort of place. That's that's where uh, that's where I would be holed up, I think. Okay, so you would be nearby then. So the, the Skewered Noble is a pretty well-known bar in your circles because it does, it is a home for a lot of the city gossip and a lot of people who are looking for under-the-table work. So you show up to the Skewered Noble. It's dark. The enchantment's meant to keep the ash from falling to street level. Don't quite cover this part of the Skyward Ring. So the ash gathers outside about waist deep and blocks the little bits of light from the ever-burning lamps outside from getting through the windows. What it lacks in atmosphere, it makes up for in cheap drinks and interesting clientele. Uh, so when you walk inside, you see you're not the only person who wanted to get here early to brood in the shadows. In fact, all of the tables that are sat outside of the light are occupied by one brooding figure each. <laughs> <laughs> there are six tables in the sort of corners and sides of this establishment, and then another few tables out in the center and some seats at the bar. Uh, but all of the less well-lit tables are occupied. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't need a table. I would just uh, like to lean up against a wall in a dark corner somewhere. Okay, so uh, in those brief moments when you slip through the light, who do we see? Uh, you would spot a bald humanoid figure uh, with sort of a, a palish gray-blue skin. Uh, you would see a crudely etched sort of scar in the forehead of just a single eye and you would see a thick trench coat as well as also adorned with sort of haphazard eyes over the trench coat and one incredibly sort of like bright silver eye on a, on a hood on the back. And yeah, just this dark trench coat that you're sort of just like brusquely uh, moves towards one of the walls, leans up against uh, the wall and uses one of my magical abilities to become invisible when in dim light or darkness. Okay. As long so you as move I'm not back moving. and sort of seep into the shadows in the in those moments before you become fully invisible. The figures that are sitting on the tables on either side of you shift to the other side of the table and quickly put up their hoods, trying to stay out of sight. I think Brass is going to show up next. Brass would be coming up from the jungle, where she's got an apartment. She'd probably take the stairs. She likes to walk. Yeah, you make your way up this long flight of stairs which are completely overgrown in vines as you make your way up from the jungle which is the agricultural ring of Mox the Rain so the stairs I think are a beautiful walk as you make your way up you actually they breach through the canopy of this jungle that sort of stretches out for miles in all directions on this large agricultural ring uh, you can see the mist created by the moisture that gets sapped out from the volcanic heat to water all of these plants just sort of drifting among this jungle canopy with a few large warehouses and processing plants and some of the taller apartment complexes also bursting out from that ever-growing jungle. And then slowly as you make your way up the stairs, you start to feel the pitter-patter and dry heat of the ashes. You make your way up and that artificial sun that hangs over the jungle is quickly snuffed out as you step up through the floor into the much gloomier section of the city. Brass is uh, kind of straightforward unless she's trying to sneak around. 
So um, I think she'd just uh, stride into the, toss the door open and go straight to the bar. Yeah, you step into the bar, you see the same thing, uh, just a, a bunch of shadowy figures sitting at tables around the outside. I would like a drink of water, please. Do <laughs> you see the bartender who is this sort of like crouched over, um, sort of like walking up on a series of stools behind the bar, a, a, a small hunched Smurf Neblin. <laughs> and he looks up as you order a water and kind of looks around confused for a second, and like, trying to get what? his bearings at the bar. <laughs> What's a Smurf Neblin? Uh, Smurf Neblin is a deep gnome, small, pale gnome that uh, usually lives very, very deep underground. But uh, because Mox the Rain itself is underground, a lot of the Smurf Neblin who are looking for more lucrative work come to come to this place. Uh, this poor fellow unfortunately found himself running a bar in the ashes. He doesn't quite know where to find a glass of water, so you see him kind of just like open up a little chest and scoop some ice out and he pours it into a mug and then puts that down and he says, ah, wait, I guess. <laughs> I um, throw a fireball into the glass. <laughs> I guess it fucking blows up. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think I actually do that. I think um, my skin's pretty warm and uh, it melts surprisingly quickly. <laughs> okay, cool. So, so you're sort of standing there at the bar. Uh, you get your glass of ice. Brass is um, a tabaxi, but pretty unusual looking. She's uh, covered in gold scales instead of fur. Maybe more brassy than gold. She's also got a gold sort of brass cloak that covers her pretty much entirely, and it's spotless and shining. If the door's left open, you anybody inside sees a tiny little pygmy kingfisher kind of flutter in and land on one of the tables, easily the brightest thing in the room. It sort of gives everybody an eye over and then lets out a bit of a tweet. Then a few seconds later, a tortoise kind of falls in through the door and kind of rumbles, tumbles into and kind of comes up against the same table and sort of slowly gets up and is like, oh, I'm not late. That's great. And I think that's the last time I use a feather token. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> just kind of stand and look around for a little bit and anybody inside will notice that it's just an upright tortoise. Uh, He's got a few little blue beads kind of strung on bits of leather and string that's sort of on the knobs of his shell and sort of over the front of himself. And he's got a bit of equipment, but for the most part, it's just a tortoise and he sits at one of the tables. You easily find a seat in the middle of the room. The torches in here aren't super bright, but when you're looking around and seeing all of these, you know, figures who are pointedly not making eye contact, you know, one of them has their feet up on the table and they're reading a book. Another one looks like they're doing a small ritual. And when you look their way, they cover it up with their cloak. Yeah, I'll sit down at the table with the guy reading. And, uh, oh, what book is that? He tilts his head up enough that you can see sort of his teeth in the light and gives you a smile and a chuckle and then puts his head back down and continues reading. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess there'd be some heavy footsteps and into the room would walk uh, a Warforged wearing a heavy leather duster. He's got a flat top sharpshooter cowboy hat on, a hand-rolled cigarette dangling out of his uh, mouth. 
Yeah, he's got <laughs> yeah, like a heavy, heavy iron jaw, uh, gunmetal gray, with the yeah, just the the amber glow of cigarette hanging off. What would be a lower lip? Heavy guns on his hip, heavy irons, slung low. And yeah, I guess he'd walk up to the, well, uh, yeah, have a look around. Yeah, so you see one turtle. Uh, sitting in the middle of the room, well lit, and a bunch of shadows around the edges, and a tabaxi standing at the bar. I think he'd walk up to the turtle uh, with a slow kind of asymmetrical saunter, little, little kind of a heavier lean to the left as he walks. Hello, your friend. You mind if I join you? Oh, yeah. I, as long as Mr. Reader over here doesn't mind, pull up a chair. Pulls up a chair, sits down. You're here for the same meeting as I. Oh. Were more than one person invited to this meeting? Well, there goes my money. He'll just sort of kind of slump a little bit, and uh, the kingfisher will come and land on your shoulder and just sort of twirl into your ear sensor. <laughs> I think, uh, lastly, the door would open, and uh, anyone looking over wouldn't see anything immediately until a second or two later, when they look down and would just see a, a creature kind of just covered in the snow and the ash from outside. It's just has clearly been wading through this waist-high snow to get here and gets inside and does like a big dog shake. Uh, and what you see is a little snub-nosed kobold covered in what looks like a patchwork set of rat furs all sewn together all over the body. And he, he comes in and he looks around and, and yells at the bartender. And, you know, you really ought to uh, shovel outside a bit better. It's really hard to get in here. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I, I figured it'd be a big day. They probably uh, just pack it down by walking through. Uh, none of your friends today. Okay, pal? They're outside. Don't worry about them. They better be. They better stay there, too. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just shakes off that last little bit of snow and then and waddles his way inside uh pulls out a bar stool and i think uh sits next to the tabaxi you you all kind of sit it's just except for any conversations that you're having the others in this bar are just staying completely silent just sitting over brooding in the corners but you can tell like the energy starts to get a little restless after a few minutes you know these this hushed ritual that one of the individuals is doing uh, you hear them kind of sigh, and it poofs away from them, and they quickly look around and start brooding and ritualing again. And then the door opens, and a tick walks in. So this is a construct built for Mox the Rain. They are part of the law. They are usually inert statues that sit around the city. But in the event of a crime that the clubbers or the regular city guard can't handle, they get activated. Any of you who have any sort of criminal connections would know that they're pretty tough. They're pretty hardy. And they are called the Neblin Dominion Reintegrators. So it walks through the door. Uh, but what you do can they look see. Like? Uh, so it, this is a, it's a four armed golden statue creature. It looks kind of similar to, or at least reminiscent to the Warforge. A, a sort of humanoid body, humanoid legs, uh, these four arms, two of them folded in front of it, the other two resting just comfortably at its sides. And normally that's what it is, is they have this golden chassis 
uh, with you can see a few pistons and stuff through the outer armor of it. But this one is actually wearing clothes, like a sort of nice evening wear, a vest, some mauve pants, and a little bowler hat, which you would have never seen before. And it walks inside and says, Hello, I am G3NDR. It is nice to meet you all. I assume that you have come here on request of my employer. I have. Uh... I assume that your instructions and payment made their way to each of you before you got here. And there's some murmurs of agreement throughout the shadows on the corners. Mm. Oh, you're talking to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, all of you. My employer was quite clear that he wanted as many people on this case as possible. And quite a bit of money has been staked to the success of this mission. Well, that really adds some pressure. Your target is Shard Tealy. And he takes out a sheet of paper and holds it up and it kind of rolls out. And you see a picture of a small halfling woman with a robe and kind of like a bandolier of various little gadgets. She is currently wanted for questioning by my employer. It is your job to find her and bring her back here unharmed. It is possible that she will come with you willingly if you're able to find her, but it is imperative that she comes back alive. If you are able to complete this mission for all of those involved, you can count on a reward of 100,000 gold. Wow. Let out a low whistle. Wide. I put a hand up? Yes, a, a question from the small one. Yeah, yeah, you, you said alive. Uh, uh, and then you said unharmed. And I'm, I'm curious on whether or not to, uh, we're allowed to bring them back alive, but harmed. If necessary, you may harm them. But please, it is imperative that she comes back alive. Okay. Oh, this'll be fine. The less harm that comes to Shard Tea Leaf the better it will be for my employer. We do not expect strong resistance, but finding her will be exceedingly difficult, which is why, well, it's why this group has been assembled and why you will all be searching in tandem to one another. Oh, it's gonna be a big collaboration. Great, I'll have all my friends help out too. Oh boy. So some of you would know the name Shard Tea Leaf. Is anyone here not from Mox the Rain? I would mm. not be. Not originally. I've probably no. been here uh, a couple of years. Brass likewise. Probably maybe six months or so. Okay. Yeah, I haven't moseyed this way in quite some time. Ooh, I'm the only local. I, I think all of you though, except for Rusty, would know the name Shard Tea Leaf, but you, would, you might know them better as Pick. She was part of a crew that is rumored to have robbed the Molten Coffers, which is Mox the Rain's largest bank, located inside the fortress of the Molten Watch, who are a, an extremely dangerous fighting force uh, who operates sort of separately from the government here with the interests of Mox the Rain in mind. Uh, they answer to nobody, but generally work with the government to keep the peace in Mox the Rain. Cool. 
is one of the ones who got into that thing. Ooh, even I've never been able to get into there. Ooh, that's a that's a good that's a close guard of secret. <laughs> Um, and you, you can see that this cobalt is just like wringing his hands in excitement uh, on the square stool. If there are no further questions, I will leave you to your work. Is there a timeline required for this job? As soon as possible. Rumors have it that Shard Tealeaf may be attempting to flee the city. If this is true, she will be much more difficult to find out in the world. So catching her before she manages to do this is of the utmost importance. I'll make sure there's guards posted on all the exits. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Your forwarded cash should be enough to get you through any incursion from the local guard and any supplies that you should need throughout. If you have any issues, it will be up to you and that money to get you out of them. We will have no further contact or help from here on out. The tick will hear in its mind. And where are we supposed to drop them off when we got them? Bring them right back here, it says out loud. Will do, will do, happily. I, I guess we're all in this together then. I'll step forward out of the shadow uh, and come like strolling up to you ah! and just sort of quick, quickly just like appears out of the darkness uh, and just quickly points you, 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 and you. You seem capable. I think we should team up. Oh, okay. I'm open to it. Well, that seems like maybe that was the point. Many eyes make light work. <laughs> mm, okay. Well, I'm always Indeed. happy to have more friends. Yeah. Uh, and while I'm talking to you, I'll just reach over onto the bar top, onto the bar counter. Is there just anything? Like, is there just like a cup of like limes or like a, a, a jar full of straws? Like what's what's on the countertop? There's definitely like a little bowl of peanuts that have all the salt sucked off of them. Yeah, you see me just grab that bowl, open my trench coat, and just dump the bowl into one of my pockets and lay the bowl back on the countertop. What skills do you bring to this? Um, seeing and finding. Seeing and finding. I'm a I'm a bounty hunter. <laughs> and you? I say to the kobold. Well, um, most people know me as the Rat King. And as he says this, you feel the whole building kind of shake momentarily uh, <laughs> under your feet and in the walls, uh, and then it quickly subsides. But most of my friends just call me Squeak. I have eyes everywhere, and I can get into, well, yeah, pretty much anywhere. Other introductions? Yeah, I think the Warforge stand up and walk over to Squeak. Well, my liege, pleasure to make your, uh, make your acquaintance. Uh, Thank folks you. call me Rusty Trails. Rusty, oh. nice, nice to meet you, Rusty. That leaves me. I'm Barnaby Sage, and, well, I'm not really sure what I could do to help you guys, but I will uh, do the best that I can. I am Brass Cauldron, dinged falling off a cart. I have numerous skills, including magical abilities. Oh, what about you, Shadow Guy? Oh, uh, you can call me Doug. Oh. Doug the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you, Doug. Uh, an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted. It's the only reason. Uh, so while you're all introducing yourselves, you see some of the figures step out of the shadows from around the corners. 
I think right off the bat, you just hear, Well, well, well. If it isn't old Rusty Trails. We haven't seen you around here in quite some time. And you see a drow step out from the corner uh, wearing like this bright green vest, these black chaps, and this low black cowboy hat. And you recognize him as Deadeye Fade, mm. who is a local outlaw. I'm picturing Lee uh, Van Cleve. He says, what is it that brings an old bucket of bolts like you back to Mox the Rain? Well, maybe I came back to lock you up again. Ooh. I would love to see that now. And he shoulders this big Winchester, mm -hmm. which you haven't really seen before, this gnomish Winchester, which looks like it has a bunch of attachments on the outside, this like long scope. Mm -hmm. And he says, now that I know you're around, <laughs> you won't be seeing me again. All right, dead eye. Big fancy piece of hardware like that. You still can't shoot worth a damn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of like surges forward a little bit, and then you see a human sort of come out and hold him back a little bit. And he's like, "You let me go, Teddy. You let me go. I'm gonna show this this rust bucket a thing or two. And and the guy's like, "No, no, no. We're not here for this. Okay, we're we're just gonna grit the money." And we're going to get out of here. This is our one last job, Deadeye. Come on. We got to keep focused. Okay. This is the one that gets us out of the game for good. We can finally retire. And he's like, I always, the voice of reason, Teddy. Okay. Okay. I'll keep it, keep it down for now. And then from behind them, you hear the clop of hooves. And from the shadows emerges this like big, beautiful pink unicorn. And those of you from the city would know this as Glitters, who is one of the most feared bounty hunters in Mox the Rain. Amazing. Glitters says, well, it won't be enough for all of us to split the reward. I suppose that it'll be two teams today. Uh, and steps up behind Deadeye. Uh, and then you see this female elf and tiefling step out from either sides of the shadows and they step in with that group. You would recognize them as Gargo Hellstorm, who is the tiefling, this sort of like rippling muscled tiefling with two arms crossed over the top and then two mechanical arms crossed just under them. They look Gargo. like they were probably torn off of a tick and repurposed to be used for him. And you see wearing this really light shimmering chainmail, the elf sort of steps out and, and puts a hood up. She's the one who was doing this sort of ritual over in the corner. And they all sort of look you over and Gargo says, well, uh, may the best group win. And I think we already know who that is, right, everybody? And they're all just like, ah, ha, ha, ha. And Glitters is like, oh, yes, it's us. And then they all start to make their way out of, uh, <laughs> out of the bar. We don't know who the elf was? You don't recognize the elf. I think Squeak does. So this is uh, Paloma Lowly, who is a was a former noble who lost everything when the United Families came into power. She had sort of all of her family's money and support tied into the old king of Mox the Rain. And when he fell after the uprising, she lost everything. And uh, Teddy was a human? Teddy was a human, yeah. Uh, Teddy was a human. He's just wearing, like, regular clothes. He has a shield on his back that looks like it's weighing him backwards, so he's always tilted at, like, a 17-degree <laughs> angle backwards. Nice. Uh, pretty skinny. Uh, looks extremely tired. And sorry, Deadeye was a gnome? Uh, Deadeye's a drow. Drow. 
Rusty tips his hat to Glitters as Glitters turns to go and just Glitters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good to see you again, Rusty. Well, I hope you brought some cuffs that can fit these. And then she rears back and like, <laughs> <laughs> and kicks her hooves up towards you. Well, I would like to have you on my side this time, but may the best creature win. Not in destiny's favor, gunslinger. <laughs> and then she kicks the door shut with both with both hooves as she leaves. Well, Carnation, we just saw a unicorn. This was a good idea after all. Glitters is quite well known here. So I've been told. I mean, we're never uh, going to get any of the money now. They're the best. No stranger to man hunting myself or halfling hunting. Let me see that there uh, pictograph. Is that the <laughs> photo is still around? Do we do we get a copy? G G three and Dr is still sitting near the bar, okay. uh, just actually just staring and watching this whole thing. No need to fear, Squeak. Under his eyes, all will be revealed. All will be seen. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. We'll keep an eye on everything. I might do a little magic. How well do I know this tea leaf? I think you only know them through reputation. So secondhand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a likeness or a picture of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would like to cast scrying. Okay. So they make a... A wisdom save. They get a plus five because I only know them secondhand. Minus two for me having a picture. So they they make it plus three. Plus their own save, right? Yeah. Nineteen. Oh, I don't see them. <laughs> <laughs> you like reach out with your mind, or I guess you're looking in the mirror. I would I would pull out a um uh, a mirror from my pocket and uh, lay it down and and start sort of muttering and and cackling and and just general gibberish coming out of my mouth as I, uh, yeah, hold out the, the, the mirror and, and try to uh, scry on them through it. And you hear in your head when you do that, ooh, you're lucky I'm not still working, and make an intelligence save. Ooh. Is he within 10 feet of me? Yeah, yeah. you'd all be together. You, you add three to that. Sick. Uh, so that makes it a 23. 23, okay. So you get, like, kicked back as you feel like your brain start to vibrate in your head. Yeah, but you like reel backwards and sort of put your hand on Barnaby's shell. Slowly, that reverberation stops shaking in your head. I don't take like half damage or anything. No, you don't take any damage. Okay. I haven't seen a reaction like that to a scrying spell before. Oh, <laughs> she's a powerful one. <laughs> <laughs> Were you able to acquire any information? None at all. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Well, there are there are other ways to, that, we, that we could get eyes on a more uh, uh, more traditional ways. Uh, yeah. And and you see Squeak like lean back and look up in the rafters and give a little whistle, and a mm -hmm. little black and white rat comes out from the rafters and jumps down onto my shoulders. Uh, you can see that its skull is kind of caved in and its brain is showing, uh, but as the light hits Ugh. it from different angles, there's like a protective field over the, uh, like a spell over the brain that's protecting other junk from getting in there. And they have a little little back and forth kind of conversation in, in chitters and, and squeaks uh, with each other before the rat climbs back up a post and disappears into the into the rooftops. Your friend is damaged? Oh, he's not damaged. Is he bringing back a snack? Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry that he'll, he'll eat whatever he can find, but 
Uh, no, Oreo there will go uh, just make sure that the other rats are, are keeping a lookout. You know, we have a description. We have, we have a picture. Uh, he helped kind of coordinate a few things for me. Keep keep an eye on all the exits from the city. Convenient. Oh, oh that's much more like carnation here. Oh. And uh, the kingfisher sort of flutters up onto my shoulder and uh, gives a happy little chirp. What in carnation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it carnation. Yeah, it's a friend. We've been together a long time. Little, little friends are the best. That's like the Oreo. We've been together pretty much forever. That's really nice. Yeah. So this photo, uh, the like, she looks magical, right? Like, she looks like a magic user? Yeah, so she, it's kind of a scowling, she has this scowl on, uh, she's looking at whoever is drawing this picture of her, and it is actually like a, a mug shot, like she was taken in at one point. She has this, yeah, this bandolier, you can see a couple of little devices on it, you look over it and you don't recognize the make of them. They're pretty unique and you can't really glean what they mm. can do just by a glance. She looks pretty formidable and I think based on the, the reaction to trying to scry on her. Mm. Uh, she's got a few tricks up her sleeve. She's uh, covered in all manner of devices. Oh, his eyes would love to get it there. Their eyes on those. <laughs> right. His eyes. Yes, 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 yes. His eyes. <laughs> They're watching everything. Peep into all the all the secrets. <laughs> of course they do. Now I may know a fella who might know a thing or two about this. Excellent, excellent. Let's go to them. Okay, vamos. <laughs> so for the for yeah. the listeners, we have a mechanic in this session called I Know a Guy, and mine's I Know a Fellow actually. Yeah, they're all different. Uh, <laughs> I know a bloke. Yeah, I know a rat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know someone with a lot of eyes. Uh, like they'll all be different, but the the general mechanic of it is that if you if you need something or some piece of information, you can just say I know a blank, and you can know that blank. Describe who they are, where they are, and roll a d6 to see how happy they are to see you. Okay, we're gonna see Crick Flocket, gnomish artificer, uh, inventor, proprietor of uh, just Flocket, his, uh, his, <laughs> his shop. He would be on the anvil, okay, and a d6. Six. I don't know if that's really good or really bad. Really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, how do, how do you get down to the anvil? Walk up to the edge of a <laughs> bridge and look down, like... Yeah, so you walk uh, to a bridge that's overlooking two sort of halves of the ashes. Okay. Uh, there are large spanning bridges that go across these two gaping sections. You look down and you see the canopy of the jungle similarly split in two. This is a big... How's the best way to explain this? It It's like a vertical chasm and then a horizontal chasm. They alternate each time. Okay. But, there, but it does create a square of a pit that when you look down, if it wasn't for like the steam and the mist below, you would be able to see all the way down to the queens. So depending on what part of the bridge you jump, you would land in different rings? Yeah. So depending on which bridge you went, if you, if you fell. Uh, so all of these bridges are enchanted with a featherfall enchantment. It's how most people get from ring to ring in a top-down direction. If you don't want to book like a griffin taxi or wait for an elevator or walk down the stairs, you can just jump off a bridge. 
uh, and Featherfall takes effect. So you can, the uh, people, especially people who live in the city are quite good at this point at guiding their Featherfall to land on different rings. Okay. So the anvil is the crafter's ring. It is second to the bottom. So it's, it's quite a drop from here. You want to jump down? Quickest way, ain't it? Daylight's burning. But that, it's not the quickest way. There are it other ways like around the city. You know the long way. You know a quicker way there, Squeak? I know all the quickest way. Quicker than jumping down to the bottom? Yeah. Well, the feather fall, it really takes a long time. You gotta make sure that you're going from the right points on the right bridges to get down to the lower levels. It's a bit of zigzag. And what's your way? By my calculation, it's 24 seconds. <laughs> I can get us down, Darren, in 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh. how, how do you propose? I guess we're like walking along out, uh, through the city. Yeah, through the point. ashes. And Queek yeah. just hits like the outside of a building as like a sewer hatch pops out of it. And I'm, I'm using my background feature, which is city secrets for being an urchin. So I know the secret patterns and flows to cities and can find passages through the urban sprawl that others would miss. When you are not in combat, your companions can travel between any two locations in the city twice as fast as your speed would normally allow. <laughs> Great. That's amazing. But you pop that open because you know that the Featherfall enchantment is, you know, it's it's pretty much the same as walking. You just you just fall instead of walking. But that Featherfall enchantment is not over the pipes in the sewers, which can be used if not a little bit dangerously, extremely effectively <laughs> as a multi-level slide. The big poopy water slide. Yeah. Well, that is disgusting. This is a good secret. This is gross about it. Lead the way. All right, let's go. Um, and yeah, I just dive in like snout first. <laughs> so you see Squeak just disappear into the darkness. <laughs> uh, you hear like this rushing of fast air and steam and water coming from inside these like large metal pipes that you do know move throughout all the city, but they're also like a labyrinth that most people would have a really difficult time navigating. Uh, and before you, anybody else kind of has the, even the chance to follow, you just see like about two dozen different rats come out of uh, the area around you and follow in immediately after me. Doug jumps in. Oh my. Tell you what, I'll see you down there. And he's going <laughs> to... I'll accompany the you. The cigarette is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just been sitting on his lip like it, he, he he's not inhaling he doesn't breathe it's just been burning and he just <laughs> takes it off and drops it and uh puts a hand on his uh hat and steps off the bridge uh aiming to work his way down brass follows off the bridge Whoa. okay now it's just me <laughs> <laughs> carnation you go with them and oh i'll go down this sewer <laughs> and I'll climb up onto the edge, but then I'll just tuck into my shell and just rock it down that way. Oh, that's also awesome. rain pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess Barnaby just make just roll a d100. <laughs> <laughs> you waited quite a, quite a while from your guide, and you're completely uncontrolled inside. Uh, the completely, shell. yeah, yeah. Carnation is uh, following Rusty, so at least. Carnation knows where they're going. And what kind of creature is Carnation again? Uh, pygmy Kingfisher. That's a bird? That's a bird. Yeah, it's a bird. Yeah. Okay. It's... Uh, mechanically, I've reskinned a sprite. What color is yeah. it? Like an African Kingfisher. So, like, all the Googlers at home can give that a quick whirl. Or That looks like eight. 
Great. Uh, Rusty and Brass, you step off the bridge and immediately just feel the enchantment overtake you as you start to glide downwards through all of the rings. So you pass through the jungle where you see a couple of, right along the edge of the ring, you see uh, a couple of like large farms, some larger like animals moving around the edges. You see a big cart loaded up with vegetables starting to make its way towards a processing facility. You pass through the trades, which is the most occupied part of the city. Uh, So you see huge magical advertisements, like a 60-foot tall wizard walking across a big bridge, gesturing people towards a shop. You see a group of street kids running through groups of people while clubbers chase them, pushing people out of the way, trying to catch up with them. You see them jump and use these little crowbars to hook into the chain of a nearby elevator and drag themselves upward to safety. And then you feel some of the heat starting to come up as you start to move through the temperature enchantments of the trades into the Ring of Moradin, the anvil. So from way up here, you can see that there are huge forges which are pumping lava up from below. The, the lava of the center of the God's Peak is known as Godfire, and it is used to craft some of the finest weapons in the world. Uh, a lot of crafters from all over the world come to Mox the Rain to study under great weapon masters and to try to sell and make their wares here. In the pipes, a hatch opens up and Squeak, you just pop out right next to Just Block It. And pretty quickly afterwards, uh, Doug, you pop out as well. Oh. <laughs> and you hear behind you like a clatter and a bang and then you hear that clattering and banging continuing lower (laughs) until the sound eventually disappears (laughs) and that was the last last anybody saw of him (laughs) I I think that uh, that Barnaby might have gotten a little lost in there He's sure to discover something interesting. He'll be back, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Oreo, could you uh, um, maybe go down there and give him a little hand? And and you see this this little black and white mouse just like glare angrily at me and then <laughs> leap off back into the sewer. Awesome. Now Oreo is a is a mouse. <laughs> it's a cranium rat. Oh, it's not a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's named after a cookie. We're gonna get sued. no it's spelled with an a it's fine so brass and rusty a few seconds later you land in the anvil and then i would say a few minutes later of walking through the various like forges and shops from the center you would also with rusty in the lead you would make your way to just block it Mm. reese carnation would just be on rusty's shoulder you get there squeak is leaning like proudly against the edge of the building just like oh nice of you two to show up well squeak it was quick yeah i won't say much about the smell we only lost one person (laughs) (laughs) Uh, at which point a rat squeaks at me and i'm like three people (laughs) (laughs) uh so barnaby you After a few minutes of dinging around and spinning around tight corners, a couple of bursts of extremely intense heat come and go, and uh, you clatter to a stop to gasps and screams around you. I slowly poke my head out of my shell. And you see that you have, like, crashed through 
a vent and come bobbing up in the center of a steam pool. And you see that you are inside what looks like a very swanky sort of health club. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you see all of these uh, like people of varying, <laughs> varying builds all scurrying away from you backwards in this big pool as you come out sort of soaked in yeah. sewer refuse. And uh, <laughs> the, the top of your shell, I think now that you're out, you can feel is like red hot from just getting blasted with steam uh, as you made your way through some of the more dangerous tunnels. Oh, this is nice. <laughs> what do you guys put in this tub? Someone's like, call a guard! Oh, and, is uh, there you... a problem? <laughs> <laughs> and you see a couple of these like white-robed <laughs> employees run out into the front uh... as, as people sort of scurry out and start to grab like towels and robes and cover themselves up. I think maybe this isn't where I was supposed to go. And I'll uh, climb out of the tub and uh, I'll have a look at where Carnation is. Right. Uh oh. And then I'll I'll like mosey out of the tubs and, and I guess leave the building altogether. What, what do I see outside? So you're walking outside. You can see that you are in the Queens, which is the bottom layer of Mox the Rain. It is where the Molten Watch headquarters are. Mm -hmm. uh, it's where most of the richest and most prominent people in Mox the Rain live. It's also home to the to like the government buildings, and it's where the United Families would run Mox the Rain from this level. Okay. Uh, so when you walk into the streets, you can see that they're just beautifully clean. Each sort of section of this city is marked by different colored torches. So you can tell that you're sort of in the the section that acts as the trades for the very rich. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of the amenities that are available in, on the trade ring itself are also available down here for those who don't want to mingle with the riffraff. Mm -hmm. uh, so you find yourself outside of outside of a club called the Pools of Gleaming. Pools of Am I gleaming right now? Like, am I all shiny and soapy? You're surprisingly clean nice. for where you've just been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you can see so two of those uh, white-robed employees are, like, storming back towards you, and they have several guards in tow. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are the flubbers of the city. They're, in most of the other rings, not super well-paid. Probably down here, they're a little bit better paid. And you can see they're a bit better outfitted as well. Okay. Uh, both of them have these telescoping clubs that they've pulled off their back as they're getting ushered over towards you. Mm -hmm. uh, and you see they're both dwarves. Yeah, one of the one of the employees is like, "This is him right here. He he burst into the pools and uh, scared away all of my customers. I'm I'm going to be pushing for damages. I would like all of them refunded out of his pocket. Uh, plus, he'll have to pay his admission." Uh, I'll just wave at them and be like, "Oh no, no, it's okay. I feel all right." <laughs> <laughs> and the guards say, "Well, uh, breaking and entering, you know, that's a that's a quite a crime. We're gonna have to hold you here." Oh, just one second, please. And I'll kind of go a bit blank. And then Carnation on Rusty's shoulder suddenly uh, just kind of looks around at everybody. And then suddenly you hear Barnaby's voice being like, Okay, guys, I seem to be in a little bit of a... Hmm, how about I meet you there in, in another few minutes? Uh, okay. Hmm, good. If the guards and stuff waited... They'll see a, a, a like a blank stare, kind of suddenly focus back in again, and he, and then Barnaby is like, "Okay, well, I don't really want to be late to meet my friends, and 
I think everything is okay here. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll just be going. And I'll turn and head towards the, the closest elevator. And they both grab you. Well, no, I'm sorry. Formal charges have, have been requested, so we're going to have to take you in until this is resolved. I cast Calm Emotions. Okay. Yeah, as soon as they touch me... So on my shell, I didn't describe this, but there's a wee little birdhouse that's sort of attached kind of <laughs> on the shell above my shoulder, and it's uh, like a moss roof, like a cedar siding on it. Very cute. But that sort of doesn't really glow, but it sort of gives off a, a, like a pulse of energy, and everybody within 20 feet of me has to do a wisdom save. Wisdom save? So it'll be the two guards and that employee. Nine for one guard, 14 for another guard, and 13 for the employee. Sweet. They all suddenly feel very calm, very relaxed, very at ease. Everything's grand. And in fact, they're even smiling at one another. Um, and, yeah, uh, so the guards kind of let go of your shell. And they're like, although all he did was take a bath. And the employee kind of says, well, yes, I'm sorry. I've I probably just had a hard day. It was a really tough trip to work. I'm sorry. I think maybe I'm taking it out on you. Be on your way. But if anyone asks, can you can you tell them that you've been wildly inconvenienced and are, are really paying for your decisions today? Absolutely. In fact, I'll even tell them that if they're feeling stressed... This is the place to visit. <laughs> Much appreciated. You know, I think maybe I'll take the rest of the day off. <laughs> uh, and the, the two guards are like, yeah, that sounds nice. I'm going to go see my family. Uh, and they all sort of, yeah, put their arms around each other <laughs> and slowly start walking down the street away from you. Uh, yeah, I'll thank Phalek. I'll be like, oh, that was mighty good of you, Phalek. And I'll head towards uh, that closest elevator. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, there's an elevator where some supply carts are currently being loaded up, getting ready to be taken back up to the anvil. So you're able to hop on that, and after a short walk from there, you meet up with the other. Yeah, yeah. Incarnation will immediately hop over and uh, just land on the top of my head. All right. Uh, we're all here. If you uh, come on in, we'll meet my, my good friend, Craig. Of meeting new friends. Rusty heads on into the shop. Okay, so you go inside. Uh, you see a shop just full of all sorts of little trinkets. A lot of the city gets a lot easier to navigate when you have little things like the ability to levitate and the ability to hold a lot of stuff. So tinkerers and mundane magic item makers do quite well in this city, and that's uh, what this shop looks to be. Uh, a lot of the sort of regular clockwork devices that you're used to seeing in little shops like this. Behind the desk, you see a gnome with sort of big glasses, I'm picturing. I, I don't know what you were thinking, Mitchell. Classic gnome with artificer. I think uh, he's he's got the cul-de-sac balled up top, but like crazy uh, gelled up. All the hair that's left is all gelled up, and it's kind of iridescent, like many colors. Like maybe he, he sells some like uh, color-changing hair gel, you know, on the side. Uh, and you can see that he just has his head on his fist and he's just kind of idly poking at something on the desk. As the door opens up, he just kind of idly says, feather tokens are along the leftmost wall. 
Now, are you still overcharging for your feather tokens, or do you give a friend discount? And his eyes go wide, and then he slowly looks up and sees you standing in the door, and he's like, what? Is that, is that Rusty Trails? Oh my Brick. god, it's been forever! And he, like, hops over the, the desk, and you see, like, there's a little puff of smoke as he jumps over, and you can see he has these little rocket boots on that just help <laughs> him get over the desk. And he starts running towards you, and then the little rocket boots sort of puff and cough as he comes up to full height and starts, like, flying around you, looking at everything, and he has his hands on the heavy irons, and he's like, how are they? Oh, how are they working? Ooh, this is, ooh, what, what, what do you need? Your craftsmanship knows no uh, equal, but I will say Delilah here, and uh, uh, Rusty pulls out the left six-shooter. He goes, she, uh, she has a tendency to pull a little to the left. And lays it, like, what well, hands it, handle first mm. tool. And, uh, and he says, well, as good as my craftsmanship is, there's nothing I can do about that bum eye. And he sort of slaps the side of your head and laughs, <laughs> and then, like, cough, cough back over to the to the desk and he lays it down and starts tinkering away at it right away. Who are your friends? You're looking for more of these? It's going to take me some time to make any more of these. These are some of my finest work. Well, these are uh, some acquaintances of mine. We're uh, on a job together. I hate to say I'm here for business, but that's just the way it is. And uh, Rusty takes the photo out. Crick, you wouldn't happen to know anything about a uh, shard tea leaf and put the photo down in front of him. He kind of, like, looks up. What are you looking for charred tea leaf for? Bounty hunting. You got a bounty on her? Wanted alive for questioning. Who's looking? They didn't tell. I didn't ask. They're paying. You heard the rumors about her, hey? Say she knocked over the molten coffers. Uh, An ambitious... Really none of my concern. ...job. Ambitious or fake, if you believe the stories. Most people say she didn't do it. Or that nobody did it, that it never got robbed in the first think, place. Why no I don't one's think been arrested. can get in here, but if somebody could, I'd love to meet him. I don't know where she is. Do you know any of her acquaintances? Can I cast detect thoughts on this gunsmith? Uh, yeah, you can. And just surface level, what what were they thinking around the time of, as, like as soon as they say, I don't know where she is. You get a pretty clear image of a button under the desk for just like a split second. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of really complicated schematics. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you do not understand what it is that you're seeing, but it's very complicated and you can feel, you almost feel your hands going through the motions of making something, uh, but you, you don't know what. He says, uh, every, everyone knows, everyone knows her gang. You'll, if you're looking for them, I mean, I can help you with that. Uh, I mean, I don't know where Buck is, but Bane Goldreath, you know, he's he'll be down at the Golden Dragon's Lair. Old Wish, I mean, she's she's got her farm in the jungle. You know, last I heard, she's pretty happy there. While he's talking, Carnation is going to flutter over and land on its shoulder. And uh, if he doesn't bat it away, uh, Carnation is going to use Heart Sight with that, the sprite, well, Carnation touches a creature and it knows the creature's current emotional state. And um, if it fails a charisma saving throw, it also knows the alignment, stuff like that. But I'm not worried about that. I just want to know the emotional state. He's nervous. Okay. You get, you get that he's, that he's kind of nervous. He's also kind of happy. Hmm. Like he's, he's calm and sort of fiddling with these guns, but you can tell that he's, he's a bit on edge. And he 
picks up the gun off the table and sort of like looks to the bird for a second like he didn't realize it was there until he was done working and then taps it twice on the table and hands it back to you rusty and he's like that'll uh, that'll shoot straight for you rusty just bears down the, the sights and is just looking did i see the schematics clear enough to with minor illusion recreate like a piece of paper with some of the schematics on it huh with minor <laughs> illusion make a do an arcana check cool cool 11 <laughs> 11 uh no it, it would be like trying to translate the feeling of moving your hands of building something into a picture okay so it was the feeling it was it wasn't an image i didn't i didn't get an image of schematics yeah, not an image of schematics, just his mind running over how something is made. Okay. Does he seem to maybe know her a little better than, um, like, somebody you would uh, think of as, like, a public uh, figure? Or when uh, when we mentioned her, did, she, did he just seem like, everybody knows this, or that's a friend of mine? You know, like, that you're asking uh, for. It's hard to say based on what he said. He just, he, he, he sort of implied like everybody, everybody knows who Shard Tea Leaf is. Mm-hmm. You can do an insight check. Yeah. That's but a... I don't think based on what he said, you'd be able to glean anything like that. I'd be, I'd be looking for like um, an emotional reaction to being asked about that. Yeah. Well, you um, get that for free for sure. Yeah. Uh, with your passive, with your passive, like he definitely switched moods when you asked about her. Okay. You do any work for Shard? Uh, I mean, and he glances at Rusty. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing uh, on the books, uh, if you know what I mean. Mm. And was Detect Thoughts still up? Did, did he picture anything or? Uh, oh yeah, that's ongoing, hey? Yeah, you get like that button again and you get a couple of flashes. He gets excited. And I guess you would feel that. God, you guys are an inquisitive squad. Uh, you, <laughs> you would the feel whole that time, through Carnation, Carnation's too. Carnation's giving me the, yeah, his emotional yeah. state as well. So through through Carnation, you would feel he gets excited. And his brain, again, starts running through these different things. You get, like, an explosion and arcane electricity and, like, a big eye. Maybe some tools of the trade? I mean, <laughs> listen, you're, you're, you're going to bring trouble down on my head here. This, uh... We're not interested in going to the law with this. We're working a job. Not the law that I'm worried about. What are you worried about? Well, uh, you know, people find out that I maybe, you know, off the record, maybe know who Shard is and maybe worked with her in the past and they start asking questions. They might not be as polite as you. That's true. I should inform you that, uh, the quicker we find her, the less likely it is that Glitters might walk in here. Glitters? Yeah, Glitters is a sort of a competing party. He panics uh, in his mind when you're detecting his thoughts. You see a thief run around the corner and then quickly get impaled by a horn. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> and flown uh, and just, like, tossed into the hands of some ticks. Uh, and he, he, like, shudders. Mr. Gnome, we don't intend to hurt this person. We just want to find them. And if you could help us do that, then the nicer people would get her. I 
feel like this unicorn, despite being very pretty, would probably hurt her. Make a... You can do persuasion or intimidation. Persuasion? Although my shell... I think, uh, can I give him uh, advantage by saying to uh, Crick in Gnomish? Just like, come on, Crick, it's me. You know I'd never let anything happen to you. Yeah, okay, you can take advantage on that. 24. 24? He looks between the group of you, and he says, ah, Okay, I'll, I'll listen, I'll tell you what I know, but you didn't hear it from me, okay? Of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. I don't know where she is. She, She's off the map, she's off the grid. The others sort of resurfaced for a bit, but her and Buck haven't come back out. But... Word on the street is, and I haven't seen this myself, so I can't confirm it, but the crew has been meeting. People have seen them around town together again, which they haven't seen since the maybe job. I don't know why you'd all of a sudden be looking for them. I mean, not even the watch is after them. Most people don't believe that they actually robbed anything. I mean, they're all just back to their regular patterns, and you take something out from under the watch, I wouldn't say... You'd live to tell about it. It is surprising. I will say that the bounty called for minimum of harm. Well, that's a relief. I mean, that shard, I mean, she's rude, uh, but she's she's good folk. These uh, these items and devices on her person here, uh, you can't give me any details on them, so we might know what we'd be expecting if and she does... Uh, Run or fight? 24 persuasion already. I'll, I'll carry that over. Yeah, it's pretty high. Yeah, and he's... <laughs> One blow with bottle. <laughs> so he he, he kind of says, uh, looks at Rusty, and he's like, well, only because I never get to show this stuff off. And he reaches <laughs> uh, behind the counter, and you hear like a click, and then two of the shelves in the back open up and reveal another room. And Rusty, you've been in this room before. This is where he keeps his real inventions. You step into this back room. I've been working on making another one, but Shard had a bit of a special assignment for me, kind of like your your guns, Rusty. She was looking for a way to make something large a fair bit smaller. I haven't completed another one. It took me quite a bit of time to make the first one, but that was the last thing she commissioned for me. I mean, if you're looking for other stuff, uh, I mean, that uh, that pocket teleporter I gave her, I'm sure that's helping her give people the slip. Pocket teleporter? And yeah. an item that shrinks other items. Yeah. I call it the reductress. Mm. And he sort of like brings you over to a workshop table where he has all of these just tiny little parts laid out. These I have enlarged up to 10 times their normal size to be able to put it together. But... It's just a, a when, when it comes out, it just looks like a little disc. And when you attach it to the side of something and activate it, it makes it ten times smaller. Mm. Very convenient. See that being yeah, quite handy. I, I bet it would be. I don't, I don't know. She didn't tell me what she was going to use it for. I, I was pretty excited to get to make it. And let me tell you, she paid up front. Was it tested on living flesh? Oh, I don't, I don't, deal, I don't deal with those things. But in theory, it would work. In theory. In theory. I work heavily on theories. Of course. Didn't seem to be her goal with it, though. She didn't ask for it for her. She said she wanted to make something very big, very small. And she's not too big to begin with. So, 
And yes. would it be reversible? Oh yeah, activate it again and it goes right back to normal. We have a, a, a couple of uh, people to track down. Do we have any preference on who we want to make friends with first? Yeah, can I get the list of the crew members again? Yeah, so you've got Bane Goldry, who is a male orc, and he hangs out at and is part owner of uh, the Golden Dragon's Lair, which is a big casino in the trades. He was the George Clooney of the group. Uh, yeah, he had has a, has a lot of connections in the city. He had a lot of connections when the king was in charge and has very quickly become even more well-connected under the United Families. The second person is Coin Dropping Into a Wishing Well, who is a female tabaxi. Uh, she was sort of a demolitions expert, and she has a farm in the jungle. And then the third member besides Shard is Buck, uh, who's an Aarakocra. He used to be a courier and a messenger for the United Families when they were still active. And no one really knows what he started doing once they became the government. And he is the other one who has not shown back up. No one knows where he is. Or at least this fellow doesn't. Well, I say if we start working our way up, we can... Say hi to Bane in the trades before, you know, heading to uh, Wish up in the jungle. I doubt either of them will give up their friend if they know where she is and may pass a warning to her. Well, we could. Perhaps. Instead of uh, parlaying, sit on these locations the, uh, and track them. Russell one nest of rats. The other one might go scurrying away. Keep eyes on one and spook the other. If we sit and watch, we might see them meeting again. Yeah. That seems like uh, something to you would excel at. I myself and don't exactly blend into the crowd. I have some blending skills myself. And I can drop an object that would uh, allow me to see a location for a short time after we leave. Oh, yeah. Coordination can follow somebody. At the very least, maybe one of your rats could uh, slip that object inside. It's dropped by a magical means. One of my magical rats? I cannot give you a tangible well, object. maybe it's time we, we clear on out of here. Uh, less you know about what we're up to, Crick, the better. I'm, I'm very interested, uh, but also uh, very scared. Uh, thanks for all your information. Uh, and can I, uh, does he have like a business card or anything on the desk that I can grab? Uh, yeah, I'd say it has just a, a a little wooden plaque with some business cards in it. Uh, can I make a big show of, like, grabbing that business card and, like, holding it up with one hand? Uh, I'll be sure to be uh, back in contact if I uh, need any gadgets again. And with the other hand, can I try to, sleight of hand, just steal any magical gadget oh, no. off the yeah. shelf next to me? Yeah, uh, make a sleight of hand check. 25. You, you feel your hand wrap around uh, something and slip it into one of your many pockets, and he says... Well, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for passing that along. I, I do think for the rest of the day, if uh, Glitters is on the prowl, I'm going to close up shop and uh, just uh, head home for the rest of the day. Like Sounds like an wise. excellent idea. Does he have any, like, sending stones sitting around? Uh, he would definitely sell sending stones, yeah. Like, well, Crick, uh, tell you what, why don't you loan me this? I'll take one end, you hold on the other. If anything does come your way, uh, give, give us a... Uh, Reach on out to us, and I'll, I'll see uh, see to it you're uh, take care of. Oh, 
that's either very nice or very greedy, Rusty. And knowing you, I think it's very nice. That that sounds like a great offer. But you lose it, you buy it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, well, how much are they? Uh, what are these? I'm not looking to fleece you here, Crick. I mean, for your your price, it'd be 200 gold. That's at cost. I'd give them uh, 200. Now, this is just a rental. And you're holding on to the other end. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, 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 for sure. We'll uh, we'll trade back when you bring it back. Not that I don't trust you, but I am a business person. I have a cat to feed like everyone else. <laughs> of course, I understand. You you and, hear uh, like I a, think a, uh, rumbling at all the walls. Just very very. <laughs> 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 you old swindler. <laughs> yeah, and he he comes out and uh, presses the button again, and you hear the door open. Some like little chimes go off as the door opens in the front and you see a couple of people step in the front door and he's like oh actually uh, cl- closed for the day folks uh, and they grumble and, and turn around and step back out Craig's pleasure as always and, pleasure and, to and meet you, you yeah come back anytime and we'll make our way out cling cling <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, it's Mike Friday, your Dungeon Mom. Thank you for listening to episode 53 of Wonders and Blunders. Just doing some level 10 side quest action while we're getting back into our routine and figuring out how to best keep these distance recordings going. It seems like all this is working out pretty well, so we should be able to get back to the main story pretty soon. But for now, the next few episodes will be this Mox the Rain side quest. Let us know what you think and try to guess which movies I am terribly parodying. You can send your guesses to at Wonder and Blunder on just about any social media. Not much else to say this week, so I hope you're all doing well and staying safe. And as always, keep being the best. We love you very much, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>